Welcome back to Range Anxiety. That's Beethoven's Requiem in D minor. For all of those that thought I had no culture. Well, seems like I know a little bit about the classics, doesn't it? But today is a very sad day. It's a sad time. It's been a sad week for motorsport and, and car enthusiasts in general. We've had a couple of the greats go. I'm just driving to work this morning in the Tesla Model 3 performance so it's going to be a bit loud and a bit shitty in here but bad luck this is my take on 30 years of automotive tuning experience in 30 minutes and it's my second time this week after my epic uh, journey to the hill climbs where I probably didn't do as well as I thought I was going to do that's okay but let's put things in perspective this morning First off, we have lost a couple of greats this week in the motorsport scheme of things. That's terrible. There was uh, Murray Walker, OBE, the voice I grew up with, listening to Formula One, went back when Alan Jones won the World Championship in 1980. 80, no, 81 he didn't. I think Carlos Reutemann won it. But, yeah, sad to see him go. He was a smart man, a great man, and always, you know, a great one to listen to. And, of course the Queen of the Ring, Sabine Schultz, who I followed a little bit throughout her career, fantastic driver, um, probably one of the greatest female drivers of all time in my opinion, she did a fantastic job and sadly she's gone way too soon at the age of 51 and you know I'm sure there will be a lot of tears shed for her and so they should be, she was an icon. Okay, unfortunately that's not the end of the sad stuff for today. You know how I like to sit here and rabbit on about electric cars and, you know, Teslas in general mainly because I drive a couple of the things and, and do work on them. That's fun because it stirs up a lot of banter and, you know, it, it riles a lot of people and people argue with me and I argue back with them and it, it keeps the whole thing in a way, fresh and funny. You know, there's no doubt that we are going to have an all-electric future. I mean, it's as simple as that. And there is certainly a lot of evidence pointing towards the fact that every manufacturer is going this way, sooner or later, like it or not. But what's bothering me and what makes me sad is the sheer pace at which this is happening now. Now, I'm all for EVs. I love driving the things. I love, you know, being able to whop any petrol-powered car from a standing start. You know, it's all good fun. And they go, yeah, but you'll run out of legs in the top end and I'll pass you. And the banter goes. And, you know, I've got friends like the fabled Sam Cascone in Melbourne who, you know, is probably one of the biggest advocates as an adult that I've seen of the popcorn tune which I find just annoying and messy, but he loves it. Um, and he'll argue with me till... Oh, for, 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 for time, for forever. He'll argue about anything with me when it comes to cars, because he loves it, right? He's got passion for it. We've both got passion for it. But unfortunately, with what's happening right now, as of this week, our arguments aren't going to go on for much longer. You see, a few big bombshells have been dropped the biggest, in my opinion, is Audi have come out and said they have now officially stopped any further development of new petrol 
platforms. That's it. Done. Finished. You will be able to buy them for another oh, four, three, four, five years, maybe, as tighter and more stringent regulations come into place uh, regarding emissions, but you won't be able to get a brand new um, engine in your RS3 or whatever it is that you happen to buy. So development has stopped. What they will do is they'll just make it, oh, there's rubbish all over the road here. Welcome to Adelaide, everyone. Maybe if the state government's taxed me to drive an EV, they might be able to clean all that shit up off the road. More on that one later. Because South Australia have been beaten to the punch by their neighbours. But anyway, Audi have officially stopped as of now. As of probably a year ago, really, but they've said it now. So the existing, that doesn't mean they won't sell any more petrol or diesel cars. What it means is that they'll stop trying to squeeze the lemon that little bit harder, put new stuff in them and make more performance out of them. You know, I, one of Tony Soprano's famous sayings was, I think, in that wonderful series, which I'm a massive fan of, look, there's just trees down everywhere here and there hasn't even been any wind. Like I said, welcome to Adelaide. Um, like he said, he feels the good times are already passed and he's just living, collecting up, you know, what exists now. And I think that's what's happening for the petrol performance guys or really any true car enthusiast, including me right now, is that the, the best is gone. And you'll see that, you know, a car like your RS3, let's pick that because Sam owns one and he's deeply in love with it. The uh, lead into this was the gasoline particulate filter. So, you know, no more popcorn tunes as from... I think 2020, am I right, Sam? I'm sure you'll correct me because you're a stickler for YouTube facts when it comes to cars. That was just the lead-in, but now they're going to strangle the things tighter and tighter and tighter because you get in line with these government regulations to make sure they can sell whatever it is they've made and got left. And, it, you know, obviously it's just not the RS3. There will be that fantastic V10 Audi that I do love so much Audi Lambo engine that is gone as well and that will stop any further development and here's what nearly brought a tear to my eye is the press release from Lamborghini concerning all of this that again is very fresh and very new Lamborghini listen to that there goes a petrol engine motor, motorcycle yeah no they'll, they'll, they'll go too don't worry electric bikes will be here soon but Lamborghini came out with a a statement just now saying they no longer are concentrating on speed and zero to 60 times it's all about handling so if that isn't a marker that they've rolled over and have just given up essentially till the new models come out nothing else is I mean they've got that uh, Cyan or whatever it's called supercar that's got like a, a 40 uh, 40 horsepower or kilowatt boosting super capacitor, flux capacitor in it as like a hybrid pusher to help it, but Lamborghini have officially given up on any any further development on, on petrol engines, you know, they're part of the Audi group so that makes sense so let's have a look at Porsche, I mean Porsche are probably the very first of the supercar manufacturers, if you could call them that, to Embrace the electric thing with the Toucan or Taycan 
and you know mighty fine car it is but how long before they pull a pin and release a statement saying yep this model gt3 rs is the last one this model gt3 and you know what a shame they're such raucous cars and such you know punched well above their weight did some spectacular things and deep down under my uh bias from uh, the techno king of tesla i still lust after a gt3 pretty much of any vintage you know i'm not a great porsche traditionalist fan you know oh, you won't get me out in an air-cooled 912 four-cylinder and i'll be waxing lyrical about what a marvelous thing it is to drive no because they were shithouse as were the majority of old 911s the fact that people spruik on about them is oh, bothersome to me at best but, you know, 996 onwards, Porsche really got their act together and made cars that you could drive. And, you know, I used to talk about uh, you can always pick a good Porsche because that's the one that's got the air conditioning that works. So, you know, 2002 onwards, pretty much, was when Porsche started making really good cars. And that's, you know, been for the last 20 years now, so it's a, it's a bloody long time. But, yeah, gone. Going to be replaced by Taycans. And, you know, various um, popped body SUV versions so, yeah, that's all a bit sad, too. And then I thought, I'll look further to the bastion of supercars. You know, you get these guys that get around in their driving suits and booties that go to cars and coffee to drive Ferraris, uh, Ferrari wankers, uh, and they're going to get stuff, too. Ferrari, um, in the process, allegedly, if you believe everything you read on the net, and no, I normally don't, they're in the process of building two different electric SUVs at the moment for 2024 and 2026 release. You know, it's not bad enough that every other manufacturer has made stupid looking SUVs that go onto their sports car platforms. I mean, after, I don't know, 15, 20 years, I'm only just getting my head around the Porsche Cayenne. A Ferrari, then that, that Bentley Bentania or whatever it is. I mean, I'm sure it's a great car, but it's a hideous looking thing. But Ferrari have totally capitulated going to SUV and electric all at once. So, you know, it, it's a, it, times are changing and I don't think it's getting being handled all that well. So I did some further searching and I had a look at GM and they, they're just proudly saying, well, we'll be all electric by 2030, 2035. You won't be buying a combustion vehicle from us anymore. And that's a bit sad too. Because as Ford have proven so far with their their odd Mustang Mach-E, apparently a, a good car, but, you know, it's an SUV with some Mustang styling cues and an electric motor in it. It's not really a Mustang. Mustangs were designed to be cheap, affordable sports cars with reasonable performance for young people. And a Mustang Mach-E is, is none of that, is it, really? It's not particularly affordable like most EVs aren't. It's not particularly sporty. And I don't know how many super young people are going to lust after it as it's driving down the street. Wow, there's a mucky. I'd love one of those. Yeah, nah, I don't think so. So everyone's rolled over. Everyone's confused. And everyone's sort of scrambling for the door. What that means for you as a performance car enthusiast, because you're listening to Range Anxiety, you must be a performance car enthusiast, correct? If not, turn off now, good riddance, unsubscribe. What it means 
is it 2020 to 2021 and maybe 22 to a small degree will be the time that you should buy your forever car if you're in love with petrol because they're only going to get weaker and worse from here as the manufacturers get more and more disinterested in them and start to funnel every single cent they have into electrifying their lineup. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Not going to happen. So now is the time. You know, everyone used to feel really sorry for, for our Aussie listeners, for General Motors here in Australia with their Holden brand. And I think the last cars were made in 2017, the last of our great Aussie Commodores, which, you know, in the end were really, really great, super good cars. They weren't super cars, but they were super good cars. And now they fetch ridiculous amounts of money, you know, because there are no more Aussie cars. We don't have car manufacturers anymore. Everything's been flushed down the toilet. And don't get me started on the politics of that. And, you know, GM did a runner back to the States, allegedly, with uh, a lot of our taxpayer money and cut the dealers off. Poor dealers. Don't get me started on dealers. I don't feel sorry for any of them. Um, you know, people got all sad about the end of Holden, but you know what? They probably pulled the pin at the right time because I can't imagine guys lining up in their V8 supercar shirts at meetings showing off their new battery-powered Commodore. I really, really can't see it. And I think it would be embarrassing. So yeah, Holden got it right, whether they meant to or not. I don't think they did, and I don't think they knew what was coming. Holden got it right with the Commodore. So that's why they're so desirable now. And yep, if you can, I don't think they're going to... I mean, even though some of the prices now are just silly, and COVID car pricing is silly and stupid at the best of times. And, you know, some of the prices are through the roof, but I don't think they're going to drop in a hurry. Uh, So that's a good thing, you know. Great. But yeah, it's all happening way, way, way too fast. So I thought... With all of this massive electrification that's going on, what's going to happen to the dealers, our poor car dealers, with their multi-million dollar yachts, their mansions, their their service centres that look like Taj Mahal's? Still never met one that's ever made any money. Um, and so I had a look at some of the service schedules for these cars. Yes, you do still have to service the majority of electric cars. But yes, it's got a lot, lot, lot better to the point where the dealers will start to get upset. Unbeknownst to most, most car dealers make the majority of their money out of service centres, service advisors that upsell on a commission basis. But unfortunately, I had a look at the um, service schedule for the Porsche Toucan, and they're saying every 20,000 miles, so you know, 30,000 Ks and two years. And then, you know, every two years, they're like, geez, what are we replacing this? Ah, we'll do your brake fluid every two years. I mean, really? You're going to do brake fluid in a car that's got regenerative braking and you hardly ever use it? Mm, interesting. I mean, you know, Tesla sort of led that model where they've got, you know, if you can't get 500,000 Ks out of your brakes, there's something wrong with you. So I, I didn't compare and see how this sat um, against like a GT3 but they're still luring you into the service center because, you know, the legacy dealer model, which I believe is going to change, and very slowly but surely, these big manufacturers are going to have to chuck their dealers in the bin and make them small compact service centers 
rather than castles because the money simply isn't going to be in it for them. So we're going to get this great fight. And Audi the same. They want every two years, or, you know, 20 or 30,000 Ks for, you know, a cabin filter change and a wiper blade change. But there's going to be dealers are then, I believe, because I've seen evidence of it already in my own private investigations, going to be over-servicing the vehicles. There's going to be this massive sleight of hand that goes on with... Um, dealers and they're going to be saying oh look you know the book says this much but I think you should bring it in and we'll do it a bit sooner for you because it's really in the best interest of the car and we will be looking after this car for you in the actual ownership you have of it so I think it's a good idea that you bring it to us so there's going to be all sorts of unnecessary tyre rotations unnecessary uh, wiper blades oh here comes a Bentonia up next to me speak of the devil and they may come so, yeah, there's going to be all sorts of sleight of hand going on there because, you know, these guys, their revenue is going to drop massively. And, you know, how are they going to take the family to Aspen? You know, how are they going to do whatever they need to do if you're not paying for it anymore? But you've got a goddamn electric car. Stop it. And I can imagine what that scheduled servicing is going to start costing for those poor buggers that have the last of the petrol babies, you know, um, my advice is to get a good solid relationship with the private service centre and do some fixed price deals, or when you buy the car from the manufacturer, try and lock in a fixed price deal. So what's happened, and this is something that constantly gets thrown at me by naysayers, believers, non-believers, whatever, hydrogen, the way of the future, absolute bullshit, no one no one is interested in hydrogen anymore. Everyone's had their dally, you know, their little foray into hydrogen-powered vehicles, and it's a total waste of time. The only way we may see hydrogen on our roads, in my opinion, again, I, I could be wrong, but I bloody well doubt it, is in heavy vehicle applications, trucks, long-distance tra long transport, haulage, when massive mileage without interruption is the key. But hang on. Truck drivers aren't allowed to drive massive miles without stopping. So I don't know where that requirement of doing 24-hour shifts comes from. Maybe if there's multiple drivers, as, as some transport companies in Australia use. But the problem with hydrogen, apart from the, the fact that seemingly every manufacturer has pulled the pin on their development program, most famously Daimler-Benz, or Benz, um, about 18 months ago, said it's too expensive, non-cost effective, simply won't work, we're going electric. And when a manufacturer that big says something like that, y'all better set up, sit up and listen, because that's the way it's going to be. I mean, these guys, I'm not the super-duper fan of the cars, they're great cars, they're not me, even though I do own one. Um, when these guys, these guys can build a, you know, a world championship winning F1 car, they know a little bit about building cars. And they're not going down the hydrogen route anymore. I mean, the biggest problem with hydrogen, as I see it, is you've still got to go to a service station, petrol station, gas station to fill up, right? The hydrogen doesn't come from nowhere. It's got to be transported. It's got to be stored underground. It's got to be pumped into your car, and the infrastructure simply isn't there. People go, oh, yeah, but there's no infrastructure for electric cars either. Well, 
you'd be bloody well wrong there. You know, I, I did all that research into electric uh, charging stations, even in backwater Adelaide, which is as far away from progressive as Noah's Ark. In fact, no, Noah's Ark was actually quite progressive in its day, if you intend to believe in those things. But even my research shows in the greater Adelaide area, there's, you know, something like 50 to 70 charging stations, whether they're destination charges or fast charges or supercharges, charges everywhere. And most importantly, you can plug into the wall at home and use your own service station that you have at home, right? Which you cannot do with hydrogen. You're not going to be out there trying to refine hydrogen in your backyard. And if you do, you'll probably get arrested as uh, by the Department of Homeland Security because they'll think you're making a bomb. So yeah, I mean, that whole argument is just out the window. Hydrogen isn't needed anymore as a conventional fuel for daily driving, uh, you know, and even transport, it's going to be touch and go. Because that thing that they say will never exist and will never work and can't happen, the Tesla semi-electric semi-trailer is out there testing on local runs. I think that is put up the techno king and, ma and his friend, the master of coin, put up a video of the thing on the Fremont test track driving around by itself, not being pushed down a hill as Nikola did and got busted for. Should have seen their share price afterwards. So people are saying, yeah, but what a stupid thing. Who's going to take a semi-trailer on a racetrack? Well, probably no one, since truck racing doesn't really exist that much anymore like it used to. Um, but, I mean, they own their own test track like most any decent manufacturer why wouldn't you run up miles and do testing on your test track? I mean, that's pretty bloody simple, isn't it? You know, don't say that. And, and knowing Musk, the Techno King, will probably have, you know, some 0 to 100 in three seconds unloaded time. I mean, it seems to me when I drive through Prime Movers on the way to work every day, that they're almost that fast already. Anyway, enough of that. The sadness, the dominoes, have fallen and yeah it's probably Tesla's fault that the dominoes started falling because they rushed us into this thing very very quickly with some great products and people you know most people that drive them and own one will never go back to an internal combustion vehicle other than uh, if it's as a shits and giggles car for weekend driving and that's good I think in some ways because it's going to clear a lot of the crap off the roads the stuff you're going to see in car yards is going to be our car dealerships is going to be like it was when I was a kid and we used to be able to drive up and down you know car yard alley where all the second hand car dealers were and see cool shit now all the rubbish that you see in there looks the same it's all bland SUVs of various Asian extractions more nice quality stuff obviously and, and you know work well but it fails to get the blood pumping so I think a lot of that stuff's going to meet its fate in the crusher because we don't need it anymore and they're going to be replaced by quirky-looking electric things that can fart on demand and, you know, people don't like the looks of them. But who likes the look of your average SUV? And they're going to be some dumb-looking electric cars too. They're going to be ones that are deliberately styled to look like petrol cars. And that's going to make everyone rather sick. But look, the dominoes have fallen. It's your job now, if you really are a car enthusiast, to pick up the pieces and buy your forever car shortly. I think you have about 18 months 
before all of the good shit stops. And I'll be one to listen to that terrible truck next to me. And it'll be one of those rare times in your life where you're able to buy, I believe, a brand new car that's going to appreciate in value from day one. So consider it. And please remember to send me your feedback to DTEC, D-T-E-C-H, at S-E-N-E-T, S-E-N-E-T, dot com, dot A-U. And thanks once more for listening to Range Anxiety.